Welcome to Cunty Life and Biz Realness, the uncensored show that explores how to live your truest life, what tries to get in the way, and how to grow your business as a result. I know you want to be more courageous, unapologetic, notable, transcendent, and authentically you, and you're in the right place, babe. I'm your host who's the most, Naomi, CEO and head life and biz authenticity coach at Cunty Coaching. Let's dive in. Good morning, beautiful soul. I don't know if it's morning where you are, but it's morning where I am right now as I record this. And welcome, 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 welcome to season two of Cunty Life and Biz Realness. I am so, so excited for season two. I'm so grateful for season one. Um, I hope you enjoyed all of what season one had to offer in all of its imperfection and newness. And I'm just so excited to continue this journey with you. I'm grateful that you're here. And I'm really excited for what's coming ahead in season two. So 2023 was really a pivotal year for me to really nurture the soil of my business, the foundation, really pour the nutrients, you know, like with the certifications that I was taking, the Hello 7 business money and mindset certification and the Bear Life Coaching certification, which as of today, at the time of recording this, I have officially graduated both. Yay! So so exciting. Um, So 2023 was about the foundation and planting seeds and beginning, right? Beginnings, beginnings, beginnings um, as a coach. And this year is really, really time to really pour into it, receive, grow, nurture, tend, and the next phase of, of this journey, which I'm super excited about. I'm so excited to have you here with me. And season two is going to be a reflection of that. So, of course, here at Cunty Realness, I liken it to if you've seen the Barbie movie, I liken it to the point where they start to deprogram the Barbies, right? Like, so kind of awaken each other to the realities and and be more empowered and more mindful of what's what's really what's really going on. And I think that's a lot of what I do, right? That's a lot of what I do in my work and in my role here as the Cunty coach is to just awaken us to more possibility and to remind us that there are there's always more that we can have. Uh, not in a greedy way, but in an abundant way, we are always deserving and worthy of more. And we can choose to to believe that and really root into that and be more cunty every single day in the in the pursuit of more of what sets our soul on fire um, in the best way possible, right? So here are some of the things that we're gonna talk about in season two, just to give you a little a little, a little sneak preview. We're going to be talking about more time freedom, agency, empowerment, boundaries, decision making, delegation. We're going to be talking about more money. We're going to be talking about more support and more connection. We're going to be talking about more scalability, more team building. We are absolutely going to be talking about more fun, joy, pleasure, self-love, detoxing. We're going to be talking about more, having more accountability, more visibility, more cunty energy, of course, and so much more. This is just a sneak preview and I am so, so excited for season two and what is to come. So buckle up. This is season two, episode one. And today I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about my story, who I am, because I always ask my clients in my spaces who they really are, right? I'm always 
helping people pursue their highest truth, the truth that's deepest within them. And I am no exception to that, right? I'm always looking towards what is my deepest truth. So today I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that, sharing some of my stories, sharing some of my background, sharing some of what I've been through, where I've come from, um, all of that. So you get a little bit more context about why I founded Kunti Coaching, what that means to me, how I embody that on a, on a daily basis and throughout my life so far. And I'm really excited for that because I'm always looking to foster more connection with you, with my clients, with everyone. And storytelling is a big part of that. And I think we all need to know a little bit more about each other's stories. And that really fosters empathy. It grows our connection. It grows our relationships. And of course, our trust in each other and um, just building that up, right? That's a big part of why I'm here is to continue to build relationships with you and my everybody in around me, right? This is so important to me. Top four of my top five Clifton strengths are all relationship building strengths. So of course, it's super, super important to me. And admittedly, I don't tell my stories enough. I think there's still a lot of maybe shame that lingers in the background of my mind, or maybe there's some limiting beliefs there that like, you know, maybe someone, no one cares about this this story, or it's not relevant, or it's not, I don't know. There's lots of thoughts that might be in the background, but today I am deciding to pull back the curtain and bring you in and invite you in to learn a little bit more about me and why I am the Cunty Coach. You ready? Let's fucking go! I'm just going to begin with a little bit about my childhood. My parents were immigrants in Canada. Uh, My mom immigrated to Canada from Portugal when she was 12, and my father immigrated you know, coming to get married with her when he was 20. It's a very cute love story that we can we can tell at a different point in time. So they were immigrants in Canada and I and my brothers were born first generation Canadians. And of course, with that, there was a lot of struggle and opportunity for bullying because as you know, when you're a kid, If you're different in any way than the status quo or the norm or who's seen as having most privilege in society, then there is some cruelty that happens as kids that obviously we are working on as a society to reduce as we go on in time, right? But I'm sure that a lot of you can relate, right? Being different in some kind of way. For me, that was lots of ways, right? I looked different. I sounded a bit different with my, I have a little bit of a, an accent. I had a lot of like body hair and people didn't know what to do with that. I had bushy eyebrows, thick hair. I ate weird things at lunch. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even that weird, but for people in my, in my surroundings, it was weird. And so I grew up with that feeling. And unfortunately, I wasn't as confident or courageous as I am. Well, I was courageous because I survived and that's courageous, right? But I wasn't as confident. The, especially as I, I grew into adolescence, I felt my self-esteem taking a lot of hits. There were some failed friendships that happened that also like crushed me, made me feel unworthy or unlovable. Bullying that happened, there was a lot of that that took a huge toll on my self-esteem. And I carried that with me into my early adulthood, unfortunately. And it it manifested in toxic relationships with new partners, especially like the first partner I ever had was in high school. And it was a real, a real shattering when it ended. It ended in a, in a hurtful way. And that like shattered me. And I took, I took that, that shattered kind of sense of self forward. 
So all of these pieces didn't give me a very solid foundation of self-esteem to go into early adulthood with, unfortunately. So I went to university, I continued some harmful patterns, but most of all, I was focused. I was a really good student. I just focused all the time on studying. That was my parents were very, very adamant about education and studying and getting a degree. Uh, I'm sure you can understand and relate to that, you know, classic immigrant mentality, which was like, we don't have much, but if we have education, that's that's all we need. And of course, it went a little bit further into like, you have to get a good job, like a teacher or or doctor, right? Doctor was the big one because I was good at science. So I pursued science and actually French because I always was a bit of a rebel. And when they tried to make me pick, like university tried to make me pick a, a domain, a degree, I was a bit rebellious and I'm like, I don't want to pick either science or art. I want to pick both. (laughs) So I found, so I've had this like underlying rebellious thread within me all along. Okay. But it was really hidden by the constant need to fit in, the constant pressure to be a good girl, you know, not cause too much ruckus or ruffle too many feathers. This was a big theme growing up. It was always like just kind of fit in, fit in and be successful, fit in and be successful. I feel this is a a big theme with a lot of immigrants because of survival, right? They move here and if they don't fit in, if they don't speak the language, if they don't, you know, fit into the, the predominant culture, then there are consequences of that, right? So it totally makes sense. And that's that really transpired in me. Anywho, I decided to find one of the two schools that offered a degree in both arts and sciences. So I was able to have the best of all worlds, which is very much me. And then, lo and behold, I wasn't super thrilled. I wasn't super fulfilled with what I was taking. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with it. And then I learned about midwifery. I learned about uh, the art and science of midwifery. Lo and behold, art and science. Midwifery, if you don't know, it's a profession that helps perinatal people who are wanting to have a baby, get pregnant, and give birth. It's helping them with that process, right? And do it safely and healthy and help bring lives into this world and support the parents as best as possible throughout the process, right? So I learned about this and I learned that Ontario, Canada had a really good midwifery system and program. I I fell in love. I fell in love with it really. And so that's what I decided I wanted to pursue. Now, the university program for midwifery is very competitive. So it's, I didn't get in on my first try and I was, you know, feeling a little bit of the, the pinch, the financial pinch of being a university student. And I was looking for a summer job and I came across a job posting. Well, first I was exasperated because all of the job postings I was finding was for landscaping jobs. And I'm like, why Do people think that university students are good at landscaping? Why is this? (laughs) Why? I don't understand, but I am not about to do landscaping. Like this is not, this is not for me. I can't do this. My love, have you secured your exclusive spot yet in the Cunty Truth Mastermind and Retreat? If you're hearing this, there is still a spot for you. So join us now. This transformative small group intensive promises exponential growth and enjoyment for each participant as it will have you stepping out of your current comfort zone and routines and connecting with other badass feminist entrepreneurs. With high accountability, my facilitation and coaching, and personalized KPIs to track and present, you'll unlock your inner truths, your inner cunty power, and supercharge your success 
in life and business. Join us as we acknowledge, activate, and hold each other accountable to our cunty goals and dreams for 2024 and beyond. Discover the deeper truths and power within you that are just waiting to be harnessed. Your ticket includes the six-night retreat in South Portugal, where we will alchemize and celebrate in style at our luxurious private villa on the sunny Algarve coast. This retreat is not just about traveling to a beautiful place. It's about fun, growth, and luxuriating yourself. Don't let this life-changing opportunity pass you by. Book your call now with me at cuntycoaching.com retreat, or the link is in the show notes. Spots are extremely limited, so act now to preserve the intimate space and benefit from this exclusive experience. I'll see you March 1st. And then I found a, a random job posting about becoming a flight attendant. And not just any flight attendant. This was Air Canada was advertising a new airline that they were coming out with, Air Canada Rouge. And my mom worked for Air Canada. So I was like, what is this Rouge thing? I don't know what this is. This is new. I definitely like I'm very curious. And honestly, how fucking fun would it be to become a flight attendant and fly and, you know, travel So let's just, just for fun, let's just apply. I'd never, the thought had never crossed my mind, but there it was in front of me. And I was thinking landscaping or flight attending. Let's let, you know, that's not a, (laughs) that's not a hard decision. So I applied and the fact that I spoke, I was bilingual, um, that really helped my application as well. And of course I have a, a great energy. I love customer service. A lot of things were working in my favor. And I got the job. It was amazing. It was like, it was totally unexpected. And then it ended up being incredible. The training was really rigorous. But once we were done the training, we were the first group of flight attendants for this new leisure, low cost airline. And they had incredible routes come through, like Athens. Kingston, Jamaica was on there in the first, in the beginning as well. So it was Athens, it was Kingston. There was only a few in the beginning, but it was amazing. I think Venice as well. But the traveling was incredible. We would have layovers at each of the destinations, not every destination, but we would have layovers at some of the destinations, especially the European ones. And I had the time of my life. It was a an incredible experience as a young person who was really trying to find out who I was and establish my independence and and discover, right? Who I am, who am I on this on this earth and what am I here to do and what are my gifts and all of that, right? We all go through this process throughout our life trying to find our purpose. And so what better way, right? Traveling is an incredible incredible way to find out more about ourselves. It's honestly to get out of our comfort zone and out of our immediate environment. It really provides a lot of information for us. It gives us new challenges. It gives us new opportunities. It puts us around new people, new cultures. It's really incredible. What at first I was like, even if it's just for the summer and then I have to quit, like it's fine. It ended up, I ended up doing that for four years, y'all. I applied again the following year for the midwifery program. I got in on the second try, which was amazing because it was quite a rigorous application process, let me tell you. So I got in and I decided to go with it part-time so that I could continue to fly and be a flight attendant and take the midwifery program at the same time. And that's what I did. I'm so fucking proud of myself for doing that. The first half of the program would be two and a half years of of part-time like theoretical study and then the second half would be practical like on the job training which is incredible an incredible model all university programs should be like that to be honest, in my opinion so i was a flight attendant throughout those those two and a half years of of theoretical training i also sustained a brain injury on one of my layovers actually coincidentally in portugal 
Um, so Rouge launched Toronto to Lisbon flights while I was flying there. And Air Canada hadn't flown to Lisbon in probably 20 years. So what are the chances that while I am living there, the airline that I'm working for decides to launch Toronto to Lisbon and Portugal is where my family is from. My parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents are from Portugal. So it was a blessing and a gift that they launched that because A, I got to know the city better. I had never really gotten to know the city because when I come here, it would be to visit family. I would not be a tourist in the city. So that was really fun. And it gave me a chance to visit some family members, which was incredible, right? I got to spend more time with my aging grandparents, which was really special, right? They've since passed, but I look fondly upon that time that I was able to have with them, especially my grandfather. So then it's getting to the end of the theoretical portion of the of the program. And I took a leave of absence from work because it was getting it was getting intense. And I knew that the practical was about to start. So I took a leave of absence and then I got a great placement for my practical or so I thought more on that in a second. And I start the placement as a student midwife. So I am, it is full on. I get my pager. I am on call like almost all the time. It was like 24-7 pretty much. We would get, I don't even remember, like one or one or two days off call a month or something like that. I don't know. It was insane. And I, I get my clinic and I go into clinic every day and I get my clients, my roster and all this. It was in incredible. And one day I go to a, I just step out of a a postpartum visit with a client and I get a call from my company and they say, where are you? And I said, what do you mean? Where am I? Um, and they're like, you're supposed to be on a flight right now. I'm like, say what now? (laughs) I'm not, I'm on a leave of absence. What are you talking about? They're like, no, you're not. You, you have a schedule. I'm like, what? I had no idea, y'all. I had no idea. This is, I'm, this is, you literally couldn't write this. You could not make this shit up. So I, I called in sick, of course, because obviously I was not going to be making that flight. (laughs) And then I spoke to the supervisor in the week after, and they unfortunately weren't able to continue my leave of absence. It had been, it had been up, which I didn't know. And so I had to make the very tough decision to, resign and keep going on my midwifery path because that had been my priority all along. And so that's what I decided. Little did I know, though, (laughs) that I actually would not be continuing midwifery for very much longer. So that that intensive, that in-person internship was very eye-opening for me that midwifery, although I loved, I loved serving my clients. Like that part was what kept me going. To be completely honest, it was my clients because they were phenomenal. They were so supportive of me, having me as a student involved in their care. And that part kept me going, but it was so, it was so intense. We were very much still embedded in the patriarchal healthcare system. And it just became obvious to me, not to mention that like my preceptors were not very supportive. They were not very loving and kind towards me. So that made it a lot more difficult as a new student to find my way. Again, remember, my self-esteem was still in the works, you know, very much, very much, very much in the works. And this experience really took a huge hit, a huge toll on me. I was being gaslit. I was being made to feel like I was failing, like I wasn't doing enough, like I wasn't, you know, yeah, just so many, so many things, right? which is really unfortunate because I think I was doing a great job. For a for a new student who's it's her, her first placement, you know, I think I was doing a great job. Anywho, also it reminds me, it reminds me the power of support, right? It is so so important to surround ourselves with people who believe in us, 
who will lift us up and who fuel that side of our brain that is positive. That is, I can do this. I am doing this. I am enough. I am doing a good job. We have to, have to, have to surround ourselves with people like that because there are way too many people who will feed into fear or doubt or criticism or judgment. Like there's just too much of that. And that's what was happening. And I didn't have enough confidence in myself to really pour into the the side of me that I needed to. So I suffered a lot with that placement. And I decided afterwards to take a break. And I decided that I probably was not going to continue with midwifery. I didn't quit the program right away, but this was a decision that I was I was leaning towards because the on-call lifestyle, the, just the intensity of it, and then all, ultimately, you're the care management person. You are making decisions. The system is still, there's a lot of work to do in the healthcare system, right? It's still, like I said, very patriarchal, very colonial, white supremacist. All of these things are, are, are very much how the healthcare system is in Canada, in North America, the US, all of this. So I felt the toll. Like I remember, I will tell you this story. I remember there was a birth where I was really feeling called to act a little bit more in the doula role. So really with that bedside manner and supporting the client through her labor close to her and just giving her that care and that attention during her birth. It was her first baby and I really felt called and pulled like she needed, she wanted that, right? So that's what I was doing. Of course, that wasn't what my preceptors thought that I should be doing. After the fact, I somehow like, I don't know how it happened, but I just happened to see like really quickly a conversation on one of my preceptors phones. And I wasn't, I wasn't like snooping or anything. I was literally just like grabbing some materials and I just happened to see it and it was on. And it was a conversation between the midwives of the clinic talking about me and how I was being really clingy to the client. I should not be doing that. And it, it crushed me because it was one of those moments where A, you're getting bullied. But B, you know that you're doing the right thing in your heart, but people don't see it and they don't understand it. And they're just, they're not, they're judging you, right? They're judging you. Maybe they feel insecure, like they wish they could provide more support. I don't know what it was exactly, but it was hateful and hurtful. And it was very indicative of some of the, the toxic patterns in the healthcare world, right? So I did a lot of soul searching after that placement, a lot of soul searching. And I thought about what I had just kind of gone through, what I had seen my clients going through, and I felt that there was more of a need of the support side. I felt like it's way more grassroots, right? The doula movement is very more more grassroots. People didn't know as much about doulas, but I felt that it was so, so needed And I decided that I also wanted to specialize in the postpartum period because after birth, there really is a lack of support. And I witnessed this firsthand or secondhand as a student midwife in the field. I really wanted to support people more in the postpartum, but it just didn't, the system just didn't allow for that. It just didn't allow for that. So that's what I did is I decided that my heart and my gifts were to be better utilized and honed in as a, more of a support person instead of a care manager. So I became a doula. I took some doula courses. I became a doula specializing in postpartum and I had quit flying. So it was kind of a brand new beginning. I also happened to meet my, sp- my now spouse um, on one of the flights that I worked. So that was exciting, right? That was another gift that flying gave me was my spouse. We met on a flight to Costa Rica and that's another story in itself. So, I mean, we've been married now for going on six years. So 
that's been fabulous as well. And so we were new, we were newly together at this time. And so we're new in a relationship. I am struggling through this midwifery placement. Like I'm saying, like I almost, they almost failed me. They almost failed me. And I, I made it through. I was begging the program for more support um, because I just knew that I was being mistreated and everything. And I became a doula. I was, and doulas are entrepreneurs. Like there is no government paying job as a doula at that time. So I was thrusted into the world of entrepreneurship, not specifically because I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but because I wanted to be a doula. (laughs) So I just started and we were living in a very rural area. We actually in this time as well had been traumatized as renters, as tenants. We had a an abusive landlord situation as well at the same time. So I, my, literally my self-esteem, everything was so in shambles at this time because I'm literally getting this abuse from like all angles. My partner was a, a pilot at the time working for also a very, very stressful, strenuous on a relationship flying job. It was a really dark time in my life. Like, I am going to be real with you. (laughs) It was really hard. I was living on my own for the first time. Obviously, uh, me and my partner were living together, but he was gone most of the time for his work. And we're we're in a rural place and I'm far from my family and my friends. And it was the hardest time in my life. We had been kicked out by our, <laughs> by our abusive landlords against our will and when we weren't home. And we had to rebuild our life. We had to find a new place in like really short time, short order, because we were basically homeless. My parents let us stay at their place while we quickly found a new place to move to because we had no home. And we found a place. It was also rural because uh, one thing about me is... I love to experience new things. So even when I was struggling and getting all this kind of abuse from all angles, I was like, I want to I want to try something new. I want to try living out in the country because I've never done that before. So we found another place in the country. Yeah, the scenery was beautiful, but in hindsight, it was not the right decision for me, but hey, I tried it, right? So now I can I know what it's like to live in the country. I know that it's not for me, right? Very important data. (laughs) So anywho, this is a little bit about my background, right? So I continued being a doula and we eventually moved to a city, which was an amazing decision for me. And I became a doula and I was a I was contracted for a an agency in the city. So that was incredible as well, because I got to really hone my craft, work with more clients and not feel the stress of having to bring them all on myself. I really appreciated that and the community of the agency. And of course, the clients were just incredible. I had such a good time serving the clients and being a postpartum doula. But I felt this need for something more, like not something more, but I felt this need and this calling inside of me that I could be making even more of a difference. Like I could be doing something more at scale for more people. That was what was coming inside inside my heart. And I knew that my capacity as a doula was limited, right? It's one-to-one, one family at a time, in person. It was very limited. Also, <laughs> the pandemic started. And that shook us all right up as well. I don't know if you remember, but healthcare became very strained and very limited at the time, right? So anything that wasn't seen as quote unquote essential was kind of shut down. And in the beginning, 
doulas weren't seen as essential. And we had to really fight as doulas to prove that actually, you know, we are essential workers. People need us just because the pandemic is happening does not mean that people don't need birth support. Like birth is still happening and people still very much need support, even more so because of the pandemic and the stress and the outcomes that we were seeing and the isolation, like the list goes on, right? So eventually we got somewhere with that. We were able to connect with some clients who would still want us in our in their homes postpartum. We took a lot of safety measures, a lot of precautions. We masked up. You know, there were a lot of precautions that we took. And I was starting to grow my own business at the same time as I was working for the agency. So I was doing both at the same time and starting to find families who really wanted us at that time. And that worked out. It it started to pick up and it started to work out. Thank gosh. And it gave me amazing experience with some incredible clients. That continued on. And my heart, like I said, started to realize that I wanted to do this more at scale. I wanted to make even more of an impact. I wanted to help more people with my gifts, with my energy, with my time, right? Because it's, it was so limited. It was not scalable what I was doing unless I started an agency, which is not what I was thinking that I wanted to do. So I was working with one particular client and I loved the moments that we would talk. We would sit and chat with some tea and we would strategize and problem solve. You know, she had she was this was her second kid and she there was like some issues that she clearly wanted some coaching on. Right. And she was open and willing and excited to have some coaching. And so now looking back on it, that's exactly what I was doing was coaching. So I realized that I loved to do this more like psychological, mental, emotional support, this coaching. I just didn't have the word for it at the time. So I thought that's what I want to scale. I want to scale this kind of support online with more people by hosting classes and and courses and helping people learn more about the postpartum even before the postpartum happens. So I set out on that journey. I tried a couple of different things. I tried creating an online community. I tried launching a course, a core community I called it at the time because it was a course and community. And it wasn't gaining the traction that I had hoped that it would. And I know that things are changing in the birth world. People every single day, thanks to the amazing, my incredible peers in the birth world who are doing amazing work of education, right? Educating about why we need to care more, why we need more support, all of these things. I wasn't, I just wasn't relating too much to the role of educator. And so my heart wasn't feeling super, super in alignment. It was like I wanted to make it work. I was trying to make it work, but my heart was like, okay. And it was quite a while that I was trying to make it work. And it wasn't until 2022 that I had been trying to make it work for two years since the pandemic had started. We finally made it to Portugal for my cousin's wedding We wanted to go to Portugal as a family in, so my daughter was born just before the pandemic as well. So I was also parenting. I also forgot to mention that. So I became a first time new parent right, 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 right before the pandemic. So as the pandemic set in, I had a four month old, right? And then it It just got really dark, really hard, really isolated. My parents weren't around to help. They were in Portugal. We didn't know what was going on with the pandemic. It was it was rough. So mentally, I have been through the fucking ringer. I deal with I manage anxiety and depression. And in that time, I was seriously affected by postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, rage, um, all of the things like it was just so, so hard mentally. 
And I know that so many people felt the same. I know that I'm not alone in this. Like even without a pandemic, it's so common. Like I think it's one in four childbearing people will experience postpartum depression and anxiety. So it is super common in the pandemic, those rates increased even more to I think one in three. It was super, super prevalent and high. And I was one of those statistics. So we had to cancel our trip to Portugal in 2020 because of the pandemic, but we rebooked it in 2022 for my cousin's wedding when the restrictions started to lift a little bit. We were finally able to go. So we come to Portugal. My parents tell us that they are also thinking of just staying in Portugal. They no longer want to do what they would they were planning, which was going back and forth. Um, they wanted to really stay most of the time living in Portugal. So that was news because we had we had been renovating our basement apartment for them to be able to stay in, you know, uh, when they come to Canada versus when they're not there. Like it, that's what we were we were working on. So they tell us these news um, and we're like, OK, now what? what's next for us? Like, because that was our, what we were planning. Now, do we rent out the basement? What do we do next? Also, I was sad, right? Cause I'm like, shit, I'm not going to see my parents as much. And it was on that trip. I shit you not that my husband had to go back early because he had work. He had to go back to work earlier. I was in entrepreneur mode. I didn't have a client that was needing me at that time. So I was able to stay a little bit longer with my daughter. And I don't know how to explain this to you other than I felt like I had been kicked in the gut by my intuition. Like, you know how sometimes intuition is a little little nudge, a a little pinch maybe, you know? No, this was a fucking kick in the gut okay it was like it was so powerful and it was this new brand new feeling of oh I want to live here that thought had never seriously crossed my mind and if it had I would have like dis I would have dismissed it like no but this time it was like No, no, like I want to live here and I need to live here. For whatever reason, my gut was telling me that our family needed to be here and my business would thrive here. And I, I just, I would be hosting people here. Like these are the thoughts that were coming in. And there, it was also telling me like, you know, things are changing here. It's not the same Portugal that you used to know when you visited as a kid. It was like, there are a lot of advancements happening since it's part of the EU, a lot of good progress. It's a safe country. It's beautiful. It's where your ancestors are from. I mean, I haven't gone back super far in my lineage, but the ancestors that I know of are from here. And so it was just this like really strong realization. And I didn't know what to do with that information. I was just like, okay, um, I want to live here. Now I have to tell my partner. (laughs) It's like, what do I do with this information? How the heck do I tell him that I want to uproot our entire lives and move our entire lives overseas to a brand new country? So I went home and that's what I did. I just told him what had happened and that gut punch that I got and what I saw for us because I am a visionary. So I explained to him what I saw for us and what I felt and why Portugal would be so good for us and what 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 the possibilities were. And at first, he was like it was a like a panic, right? It was like what are you insane? Like what what are, yeah, like just <laughs> are you insane? And Little by little, and it didn't take too long, he actually really, really came around really quickly to the idea. And he got really excited about it. He started to see the vision and he started to wake up 
to some of the things that he had been pushing down below the surface, like some things that he felt about his career and some things that he felt about the political climate or living in Canada or, you know, the culture. There was just things that he didn't like, but he didn't realize it until it took me bringing a new different option to kind of pull like pull the curtain back on some of those deep, deep, deep thoughts and feelings that he had been suppressing that he didn't even really know that he was doing or he didn't really know what to do about it. Right. So it's just like, well, we just accept what we what we have and that's what we do. Right. But I am very much the type of person who and as a coach, I help my my clients do this is like, what do we want more of? What do we desire? What more is there for us in this life that we actually deserve to pursue and we can pursue? We are capable. It is for us. What do we want? And we can do that. We just might need to be resourceful. We might need support. We might need some things, but we are capable at the end of the day of doing whatever it is that is on our heart and not just settling, right? So I kind of unlocked something in him and lo and behold, this was in June that this I had had this gut punch happen and by July we were listing our house because we, we, we had bought a house in Hamilton. In July we were listing it. We had sold it in... August, I believe. And our stuff was on a boat, on a shipping container, on a boat, September, beginning of September 2022. And I had my daughter's hand and my passport boarding the plane, one-way ticket to Portugal, the end of September 2022. So I shit you not, between June and September, our entire lives changed. We got rid of a lot of stuff. We donated, we gave away, we sold, we we parted with a lot of stuff. We threw out a ton of stuff that we had just been holding on to that we had no business holding on to. It's just we hold on to things and we don't even realize that it literally is weighing us down. So that was incredible, right? That was a liberating experience in itself. It was like a detox. It was a a relief. It was a weightlifting, right? Yeah. So in a couple of months, our entire lives had changed. We had this dream of buying a place in Portugal with some of the profit from our house sale, buying a place in Portugal that I could change into a postpartum haven. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to start a little a little B&B where folks would come with a with their baby and they would rest I would be their doula I would support them I would have other professionals providing support there would be food nourishment rest all of the beautiful things that I knew that postpartum people deserved and wanted but maybe a lot of people don't even realize they can have right or that they can ask for because our culture is not very supportive of postpartum families. Anywho, that's what I had wanted to do. That was my dream at the time. And we tried. We tried. We looked at numerous, numerous properties. We put in offers. We, you know, it just, it kept not working out for whatever reason. It just, it just, something would happen. The inspection would fail or they would reject our offer. There was just so many things that weren't working out for us. And eventually we had to call it because it was really messing with our mental health and it was really holding our, our, our lives back. So we just decided, okay, right now this isn't what we're doing. We're going to just hold tight and reassess. And thank God, because I needed time to let the dust settle and get used to my new life in Portugal. And had I not taken that time, and trust me, in that time, my brain was squirreling out of control of like, oh, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do this. It was like crazy, crazy ideas were coming up, right? And I just needed to allow myself to settle and stop pressuring myself and 
see what would happen, right? And it just so happened that I had also had a ticket. I had bought a ticket like a year prior to ROI 2023. And so the Millionaire Summit that Hello7 puts on, I wasn't even going to go. I was like, well, now I live in Portugal. It's in Puerto Rico. It's really far. I don't know if I should leave my family, all of these things. And I decided I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And thank God that I did because it was life changing. It was incredible. I got to finally meet people face to face that maybe I had seen their name on the on the online in the interwebs, but it's a completely different ball game when you're in real life, in people's energy, sharing space, breaking bread together, sharing new learnings, inspirations. It's just a totally different ball game. Building relationships, right? It was incredible. I needed it so much. I didn't even realize how isolated I had felt or become. Because the pandemic, right? It totally, it was such an isolating experience, right? So that was incredible. And somehow when I came back from that, because I went there actually thinking that I was going to learn how to pitch to an investor to help me, to get an investor to help me make this dream a reality. And I spoke to some high level investors there and some really successful venture capitalists. And it wasn't, super well received. It was a little bit, there was a little bit of hesitation, not enough proof of concept, which, which kind of bummed me out. But thank God, because I got home and I, it just gave me a moment to pause and to really ask myself the questions, right? There are always moments in time where we have to pause and ask ourselves some really soul stirring, deep digging questions, right? Who am I? What do I truly want? What am I truly here to do? What is my purpose? What is my ikigai? I don't know if you've ever heard about ikigai, but definitely we can talk about that on a future episode. What is my purpose? What is my passion? How am I going to serve people in this world? What do I want to do with my time and my energy and my gifts, right? And I thought like I could I could be a postpartum doula here in Portugal, da da da. There were there were options. I had this download and I don't remember how it happened. That's always what I I can never remember where it comes from or how it happens. But I had this thing that came up inside of me that was, I'm going to be a coach now. I'm going to drop the term of doula because it had felt, it had been feeling slightly misaligned. Now I felt like I was ready for more. I felt like I was being limited by that. And I felt the pull to work with a different population. I wanted to work with more entrepreneurs and maybe even like people who were parents and entrepreneurs. I was thinking about this and I was thinking like, I want to expand my horizons, but I love the coaching aspect. I love that aspect of mental strategizing, emotional support, that coaching, right? That I had been doing so much of when I was a doula. And so I decided like, why have I not been using this term coach? And I realized it was because I was scared. I was scared that people wouldn't understand what it meant. I was scared that people would misinterpret what I do or devalue what I do or not know what a coach is. And I have been through this all before because people didn't know what doula was and I still did it. So I decided like, no, I am going to go for this. This is what I'm, this is me. This is what I'm here to do. I am a fucking coach. I'm just going to own that. I'm going to stop being scared of that title and I'm going to own it and be it and live it. And so that's what I did. At ROI, I had decided to invest in the Hello7 coaching certification for business, money, and mindset. That also definitely played a role in my deciding to be a coach. And I decided I am highly qualified to be a life coach. Like I have so much experience. I have done so much learning. I have been through, I have been to rock bottom and back. I have had moments in my life where I did not want to proceed. I have been through the ringer and I'm here to tell the tale. I'm here to support. I'm here to listen. I'm here to strategize with people. And so I took my first client, my first life coach client in a year ago, February of 2023. And I've never looked back since. The Hello7 coaching certification is done. I've graduated officially with honors. Like I 
the score that I got was absolutely incredible. And the feedback that I got, which is even more important, was absolutely incredible too. Very affirming, very much confirmational of what I already know, which is I am a damn good coach and this is my calling. And that's exactly what they reflected back to me. And I also last year um, wanted to improve my life coaching offerings. So I took the Bear by Susan Hyatt life coaching certification, which was also absolutely incredible. So this is a little bit about my journey. And I hope that in it, you see some aspects of yourself. You see some reflections and similarities. You see my humanity and that I have dealt with fear in so many ways all along. I've dealt with so many setbacks, challenges, abuse, and I am here to tell the tale. And I am here. I've founded Cunty Coaching, which stands for Courageous, Unapologetic, Notable, Transcendent, and You Authentically. Because I felt that has been what I've been using as my guiding energy and inspiration and model for my own life and how I've been able to be successful in my own life with different things like moving overseas, changing my life, becoming a flight attendant, you know, all of the things along my journey that have been absolutely incredibly courageous, incredibly unapologetic, investing in myself in major ways by taking on coaching certifications and other things. That has been incredibly cunty and that is what makes me feel alive and successful and joyful and in alignment and like I'm fulfilling my life's purpose and I'm doing it powerfully. That's the key, right? Is I constantly feel like I am becoming the most powerful version of myself by embodying and embracing cunty. And so that's part of why I founded Cunty Coaching. And also, I got really curious about it. I thought about this word that is so bad in North American standards. And I thought, but why is it so bad? It's always geared towards women. I wanted to go deeper, right? I wanted to dig deeper into this. Who are the types of women who are frequently being called cunts? I did a little digging into that and I thought about like corporate environments or any place where there's a woman in a position of power. I almost guarantee she's been called a cunt at some time or another. And why is that? I got so curious. I'm like, oh, she's asserting herself. She's setting boundaries. She's being courageous and doing the damn thing despite the hate and bullying and patriarchal bullshit that she's up against. She's being unapologetic. She's setting her boundaries. She's telling everybody what she needs. Unapologetic as fuck, right? She's doing notable things. She's not just settling for status quo. She's not just settling for second best. No, like she is going for notable. She is doing things that are worth noting, like going for positions of power, going for leadership positions, being the first in a certain domain, right? Transcendent, like there are limitations that are set before her patriarchal bullshit, white supremacy, colonialism, all of these harmful, harmful structures, misogyny. And she is deciding to transcend those limitations anyway, especially the ones that also live in her head, right? She's also transcending those limitations. And that's, that's a lot of work, y'all. You and I both know like that it's a full-time job. And then lastly, authentically you They are being authentic. They are not being someone they're not. They are being themselves. They are showing up despite what people might say about their authentic selves, right? That's always the fear about being our authentic selves is fear of judgment, fear of rejection. And people who are embodying cunty energy are being their authentic selves in spite of the fear, those fears that come up. Because we know actually The power lies in authenticity, in vulnerability, in connection and being seen 
as our real authentic selves. Brene Brown speaks about this topic so well as well, about the the difference between fitting in and authenticity. You can't be authentic and fit in. That just it, that's not how it works, right? Fitting in is not actual love and connection. It's embracing each other as we actually are. That's powerful. That's connection. So Kunti was born last year in 2023 as well. As I was just creating this world for me, this coaching world that I was stepping into, Kunti just hit me again, right? Like I get these hits of inspiration and alignment that just fuel me and show me the path and the direction. And I'm so grateful. And I, I love following these, these hits. And I've just enjoyed building this Kunti empire so, so much, right? This world, the Kunti verse. I've just been enjoying it so much because no matter what it looks like on the outside, if it looks like I'm just using a, a swear word to be sensational, I know that I'm actually creating a movement. I am creating a soul-stirring container and place for feminist badasses, founders, CEOs who know that they're ready and deserving of more. More money, more joy, more power, more authenticity, more impact, more peace, more harmony in their lives more love, more connection. There are so many things that we are worthy of more of. And I'm here to champion that and to coach people in that because it's not what we're taught. It's not the norm. It's not the status quo. Very much we've been taught to like settle for any scraps we can get, especially in the business world, right? It's like, oh my gosh, you're lucky. You're lucky you even managed to get this far, you know? No, fuck that. No more of that, okay? We are redefining the, the landscape. We are asserting ourselves. We are cunty. Yes, I love it so much. And it's been such a pleasure to grow it. And thank you so much for tuning in today to hear the stories that I've been able to share. Of course, we weren't able to go like as deep as possible on all of them because that would take a long time. But it's a really good snapshot, right? A snapshot at who I am, what experiences have have shaped me and made me. And I've just been on this relentless, relentless pursuit of my highest truth, my deepest truth. What is that? What is that? And what am I here to do? And how am I here to do it? That has been the path that I've been on. And it's been beautiful. And I am here to help you keep going on that path, keep listening to that path, and stop ignoring the nudges or misconstruing the messages, right? To get super clear and super rocket fueled on you, who you are, what you're here to do, the max, max, max impact that you are here to make, and the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful being that you are, just maximizing that, sharing it with us, with the world. And I cannot wait to continue seeing what you're capable of, who you are becoming, because it is fucking beautiful. And I love witnessing every moment of it. I am your hype person, your cunty lover, your cheerleader, your energy healer, your light worker, your truth discoverer and opener. Like I am all of the things that are light for you. And it's my honor and pleasure to do that. And again, I'm so grateful that you've given me this opportunity to share my stories and share a little bit more about who I am. Who is Naomi, the Cunty Coach? I can't wait for next week's episode and for season two as a whole. Yay! I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening to Cunty Life and Biz Realness today. Someone in your circle needs to hear this. Can you share it and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so this cunty movement can grow? And don't forget to tag me on Instagram at Naomi underscore authentically. I appreciate you so much and cannot wait to connect with you. You can always head over to cuntycoaching.com to work with me, join my events, my cunty email chronicles, and more. 
I hope you have a fulfilling week and I can't wait to talk to you next week. This is your country coach, Naomi, signing off. Babe, do you ever feel like you need a mood boost throughout your day? Like you could use some extra country coach, Naomi, inspo and energy in your ear? I have just the thing. I've recorded five Cunty Affirmations tracks that you can access now on demand. In the morning while getting dressed, courageous track. In the shower, unapologetic track. After lunch before getting back to your desk, notable track. These are just examples. I cannot wait to keep seeing you shine bright in this world. They're accessible through Apple Podcasts. Grab them now at the link in the show notes. And in grabbing these Cunty Affirmations tracks, you'll be added to the feed to get future exclusive content. How cool is that? Let's get Cunty! Enjoy! Enjoy!